Father, we indeed surrender all because you're worthy. You are worthy for us to surrender all to because you loved us. You care for us. You know us. You know that we are dust and that we are frail. You know all of our days. You have numbered them and you know them. Come Holy Spirit now and breathe upon us as we open up your word that you would grant us insight, that you would open our eyes to be able to see and to understand and to grow and to be encouraged. Holy Spirit, remove my impediments, timidity, fear, anything that would hinder me from being your instrument, your tool to speak and to preach so that the people would hear not me, but your voice through the preaching of your word. I invite you, Jesus, hide me behind yourself, behind the cross. We thank you for it now. It's in your precious name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team, for singing them great hymns in the faith. Some of you youngins, probably not used to that, but that's the kind of stuff that gets you through a real storm. <laughs> you know, every now and then, I like the beats too, but every now and then a beat just can't get you there. You need some substance in the beat. And so singing great hymns and like that will we'll do just that. Uh, I got a lot of word today, so we're going to get right into it. So stand to your feet as we going to finish off Romans chapter 6. And we're going to come at it a little different, but I believe the Lord's going to use it. So Romans chapter 6, starting off at verse 15, finishing off at verse 23. From the CSB translation, here it is. What then, Paul says, should we sin because we are under, not under the law, but under grace? Once again, Paul says, absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But thank God that although you used to be slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over. And having been set free from sin, you became became enslaved to righteousness. I am using a human analogy, Paul says, because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you offer the parts of yourselves as slaves to impurity and to greater and greater lawlessness. So now offer them as slaves to righteousness, which results in sanctification for when you were slaves of sin you were free with regard to righteousness so what fruit was produced then from the things you are now ashamed of the outcome of those things is death but now since you have been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God you have your fruit which results 
in sanctification. And the outcome is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is the word of God. Amen. You may have your seats. The philosophical question that all humans, and I mean all humans, that have crossed their minds at one time or another, and those of you on Facebook Live, no matter where they reside on this planet, no matter what their social economic background may be, here are some of the questions that come to their mind. Questions of why we exist. Why are we here? Where do we come from? And why are things the way that they are? And where do we find the solution to all of this? As Dion was praying, where do we find the solution to what's happening in Seattle, Portland, Louisville, Austin, Texas, and all over America? where people are fighting, shooting, like what's taking place in Chicago, unbearable. Just imagine if you were a mom in Chicago and you have a teenage, teenage son. What would you say to your son whose father or grandfather may not be in his life? What would your prayer life be like? Just not knowing when you live in Inglewood whether your son would come back that night when he left the house that morning. So where do we find the solutions to all of this? Well, the word of God answers all of these questions and much more. We know that. The answer to the questions, why are the things the way that they are? Meaning, why does death even exist? Why do we see so much suffering and groaning and evil in this world? Well, the word of God from Genesis 2.16 speaks to the first command given to Adam, the first human being, the first human from the creator of God. Adam disobeyed that command, and therefore his disobedience, through his disobedience, he brought forth death to him and to all his children, because the word of God says in Romans 5.12, we have spoken to this, because all sin, meaning we're born with a propensity and inclination to sin. We're born enslaved to it. We just have an appetite for it. No one has to teach us how to do it. We just know how. You don't have to go to Sunday school to learn how to sin. You got to go to Sunday school to learn how not to sin. <laughs> you don't have to go to Sunday school to learn how to sin. You're already doing that when you show up to Sunday school. Already been breaking, breaking the Ten Commandments. <laughs> have you not lied? Yes. I know I did. Where you been, Alton? Well, I was here and there. My mom didn't know where I was. I just told her a nice, good lie. We just, we just know how to do it. Which the word of God says in Romans 6.23, Apostle Paul sums up by saying that the wages of sin is death, thanatos, but the gift of God is eternal life, life, Zoe, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Apostle Paul main focus in Romans chapter six today is about two realities Two, we are either obedient slaves to God's righteousness 
and his sanctification or we are slaves to sin leading to death, eternal death. There is no in between. There is no rest in peace to the sinner who dies that way. I know some of you like to put that on your T-shirts, rest in peace. Stop that nonsense. <laughs> You're either a slave to God and his righteousness and therefore sanctification, or either we're slaves to sin, therefore leading to death. For the wages of sin is death, Paul says. Thanatos. It's the word, Greek word for death there. In this chapter, Paul mentions the word sin quite a bit because sin is a distortion to everything we know about us as humans. We know that. It's a distortion. Sin makes us inhumane. You just look at people. Why, why you just can't be a normal human to what we're saying? We just know that's not being a human. That's something else. That's devilish. That's demonic. I saw something in the news today on Facebook. I'm on Facebook a lot, and some guy in Birmingham, he had gold teeth in his mouth. He raped a little girl. I hate to get it. No, I'm not going to go into all the details, but what he did to her body, was the doctor said, was just inhumane. It's like a two-year-old girl devastated her body. That's inhumane. That's what sin does. Sin distorts us. It makes us not like humans. And sin distorts the beautiful things God have created good. God created everything. He created good. Like sex. Sex is good between a man and his wife. But look at how the world has taken sex and abused it and distorted it. That's what sin does. And so when we are enslaved to sin, we are not functioning as true image bearers of God. We are short-circuited and malfunctioning as humans made in the image and the likeness of God. There's something dysfunctional about us when we are enslaved to sin. We're not fully human. We're not fully what God intended for us to be. And so the question becomes, did Pastor Harder, what is the solution? How do we go from dysfunctionality, malfunctioning, short-circuited, to beginning to function as the way that God created us to function? What is the solution? Well, the solution is God's salvation plan, which includes, which includes the word sanctification. And this is why it is so important for us to understand the full scope of salvation, because Paul says in verse 15, what then should we sin? Should we continue doing sin because we are no longer on the law, but under grace as the praise team was singing the sweet, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved the rest like us. Should we continue to sin because we know this grace? As Chad was reading from Titus 2, 11, verse 11 and verse 12, now that we've experienced this grace, this is what Paul is saying to the Romans. Now that we're not under law, but we're under grace, Paul says, absolutely not. Don't sin. 
Don't be enslaved to it. So it's important to understand the scope, the full comprehension of this salvation plan from God, that it includes sanctification because we're under grace. The sweet, amazing grace should we continue to sin, Paul says. No, Romans, absolutely not. Because within this salvation that we have received by grace through faith, we get sanctification. And so some of you weren't here last week and just for a big word. So I want to put it up on the screen again. So here's our first slide. What is sanctification? That's a great question. And the reformers, those that were trying to figure out so that we can teach it in catechism, you can teach it to little Jack, teach it to little Jude, a little Abram, and you can teach it to little Samuel. You can teach them these things as a little kid because they're going to need to know, Daddy, how do I go from not being bad anymore when well, you receive Jesus, but how do I stop sinning? How do I stop stealing the cookies when Mommy made the cookies at 9 o'clock when I get up at 12 o'clock and sneak in there and get more cookies? How do I do that? <laughs> well, Paul says, and great reformer says, this is what sanctification is. Sanctification is the work of God's free grace by which we are renewed throughout in the image of God. This is why I'm calling this sermon series on sanctification, the image of God. That's, you need to understand that. It is the free work of God's free grace by which we are renewed throughout in the image of God and are enabled more and more to die to sin and to live to righteousness. This is what this um, sanctification is. To live more for God and to die to sin and to want more of God in your life. That's what it is. Genesis 1.26 explains why the sanctification is so needed. Because what does God tell us? Why are we here? Who made us? Why do we exist? Well, this verse speaks to all of those things. Then God said, God said, not um, Charles Darwin, not some professor at some high university somewhere in the world. No, God said. You got to get that. Now, you might run into a lot of professors, for those of you who are going to college your first year, that professor may be drunk on cheap Walmart wine, and he's going to tell you this is not true. I'm telling you now, you need to get ready for it. He's going to have some real nice clean glasses on, he has some real expensive shoes on, and he's going to tell you you are foolish because you believe that God made you in his image and likeness. And he might give you an F, or what do they use now? F or E? They use E down here, Chad? What do they use now? When I was in school, they gave you an F for, for failing. They tried to change it up, said, with, with the new school. An E. What's an E mean? Excellent? <laughs> no, give an F for failing. But God says in Genesis, let us make human beings. Not no professor, not Charles Darwin. You didn't come from no tadpole. You came from God as a human being. And you were made in his image and according to his likeness, God says. And then you were made to rule 
or to have dominion or to subdue over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and the livestock and the whole earth and the creatures that crawled on the earth. That's what you and I were made for. Well, this image of God is throughout the whole order of sanctification. That's what God is doing with you and I. What's messed up with us. God is in the process through Jesus Christ, him coming and dying, rescuing us from our sins. God is in the process of making us over. That's what's wrong with people. They are malfunctioning. They're not truly human. But God has come to make us more human, to bring us back to his original plan. So I'm going to read you a few verses that's in our Bible. So in the first one I want to give to you is from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, 22 to 24. And I'm reading it from the ESV translation. First of all, it says again, to put off the old self. See that old you, the cursing you. You are not made to be a curser. That's when they finally hit down on me. Not, I grew up on hip hop music. Why they got to curse so much? How come you just can't be poetic without always cursing? Why is it always got to be the bad words? How come you just can't do a good rap without always the cursing? That's when, and I kept, you know, when I first got in the kingdom of God, I was trying to hold on to my too short. Y'all don't know anything about too short. But his first word, bro, was just bad. And I had it down on the inside of me. <laughs> And I would listen to it before I go to church, and all I can hear was too short. Oakland, California. <laughs> so you got to put up the old self. What's the old self? The old you and I, the dead people that we used to be. Chad, when he was in his old life, driving at 200 miles an hour, going around an S-curve, not caring if he went over to the other side or not. The old people that we used to be. Mess around with anything, just even care what was going on with your life. Paul says, put out the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life. Man, me, man how often we got to preach this in the church? You know, it's, you know, Christianity is about God making us back to what he wanted us to be. Being created in his image and his likeness because sin has messed us up. And that's what Paul is trying to explain in the latter part of Romans 16, I mean Romans 6. So put off the former man of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self. Here it is to put on the new self. What created after who? The likeness of God. So God is going back to the original intent when he first made the first man. God wanted us to be made in the image and in the likeness of him. So sanctification in a nutshell is God is remaking you and I the way that we should have been. But sin has come, martyrs up. This is what I hate people say, well, this is just the way I am. No, it's not the way you are. That's the sin for you. You want to be like Jesus. What would Jesus do? You don't want to go around saying, well, this is the way I am. Just accept me just because I'm like this. No, don't say that. Don't say I'm just a murderer. I'm just a gangbanger. I'm just a cheater. I'm just a racist or whatever it is. I just like killing people. No. That's the old person. Put on the new self. 
who cares about people who loves with fidelity and faithfulness. You can be faithful to your wife, but when you were not saving your former self, man, you couldn't stay one day saved to keep your eye off another woman. Soon as you left one girlfriend house, you left the other girlfriend house. You just couldn't do it. Just every time you open your mouth, you just sound like Beelzebub, the liar, the liar of liars. <laughs> we all used to be like that. We just told lies when we wake up in the morning. Where you, go, where you come from? You went to the mall? Yeah, I went to the mall. You know you haven't been to the mall. You know you ain't scored no 30 points in high school in the basketball game. Well, why are you telling that story? <laughs> Man, I go back to grand dudes be telling the story of what they used to do in high school. And I'm sitting there looking at them. Man, you wouldn't even start. We didn't even let you get on the court. Because they can say stuff now because they didn't have videos like y'all do now. Because y'all guys got videos everywhere. You can put it, catch it. But they can, my guys at my age, they can just say anything. Man, I used to guard Michael Jordan. Man, when you, man, you weren't even around when Michael Jordan was playing. Just lying all the time. But Paul says, put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true, what? Righteousness. True righteousness and holiness. God is holy. Be holy as I am holy. That's in Peter. So God is remaking us after his image, his likeness. Next verse. Colossians, Paul, speaking about this. New self. Do not lie to one another. See, in the old life, lying was just what we do. Where you go? Where you been? You know, just lying. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Verse 10, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of God after the image of his creator. See, that's where Bible study Learning God, reading the word, because we come from the world. We're in Egypt. We don't know who God is. So we have to grow in the knowledge of God. You have to understand who God is, how God talks, how he acts, what he thinks, how he cares about people. You become like him as more as you read and study his word to show yourself approved. So you have to grow in the knowledge of God. It don't just come by osmosis. Prayer is a discipline. It's just why it doesn't come easy. You will never grow spiritually without a prayer life. God has designed it that way. Because if you can do it on your own strength, then you don't need God. God said, oh, no, I'm too smart for that. Remember, I've been around before the beginning of time. I put time in time. I exist outside of time. I'm the true time time. <laughs> so God says, no, prayer is a spiritual discipline. It's a, it creates a desire to say to you, you can't not live the Christian life on physical strength alone. I don't care how big your muscles are, how big your vitamins are that you take in the morning, whether you drink a green smoothie or a red smoothie, doesn't matter. Prayer is saying, God, I can't do it without you. It's all it is. Help me. I can't stop looking. You know, you go to the mall. You know, when I first got sad, I come out the world. So I had to train my eyes, okay? Especially now, women don't be offended, but the guys have got a hard time these days because things back in the day when I was, you know, how I'm getting myself in trouble. But, but so when you got to go in the mall, man, you got to train your eyes. You got to get in the mall and say, okay, they are pagans. They don't know who Jesus is. They're straight from Canaan land. <laughs> so you're walking in Galleria Mall with your wife. I'm walking with my girl Sandy, 
And here is little something, something just come out and she just put on something that Beelzebub of hell just said, put this on and go to the mall with it. <laughs> and you in the mall walking around like, oh, Jesus, that's why I don't come to the mall. I'm going to be like, Chad, man, I ain't never going back to the mall. Amazon, here I come. Amazon will save you, bro. You just go online and order it. You don't got to go to no mall. You don't got to fight no good fight of faith. You got to watch up to the side pictures every now and then. They try to slide them up there, but you just knock them down. Hit the delete button. So you got to put off the old self, being renewed in the, after the image of God in his creator. Next verse. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all in all. And what it was, what Paul is saying, this is God's message to the whole world. This is to everybody. This is not to some people. This is to the guy who's enslaved, who's been oppressed in Rome. This is to the guy who's circumcised, the Jewish guy, and the uncircumcised Gentile who's never been circumcised. Barbarian, you just come right out the woods. You're a gangbanger. All you've been doing is been killing people since the time you was a little boy. Straight barbarian. Paul says, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. This good news of the gospel, this sanctification of being renewed after the knowledge of his creator. Put on then as God's chosen ones. God has chosen you, called you out of the world. He's called you out of Egypt. As chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate, hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Next verse. Bear with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord in his grace has forgiven you. Man, is the church missing that one. I mean, just that verse alone. Forgiving you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The church, the ecclesia. And let the peace of God, peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. So Paul says to the Colossians, this um, gospel this good news, this sanctification, being renewed after the image of his creator. And so I want to make a transition here. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on here at Urban Hope. So we just went through our discipleship. And so Next slide, Brother Carl. See that UHCC, Urban Hope Community Church. Vision. Big vision. It is a big vision. I'm 53, be 54 next month. God waited a long time. Processing me, making sure that I didn't blow it, that I didn't mess it up, that I didn't get caught up in the fanfare. However, whoever cares about my name, I don't care. God made sure all of that. That's why he beat me down, made sure that I would look to him and not look to anyone else along this pathway. But the vision of Urban Hope Community Church is got on the sign here is leading people out of Egypt into the promised land of freedom. Egypt is not where we're made to be, 
but it's what we're born into. We're born in sin. We're shaped by it. We're dead in our trespasses. Pharaoh, the God of this world, is our God. He doesn't want you to be the true you, the true human. So most people are walking around acting like Egyptians, acting like pagans, not true humans. Pharaoh, the little god, Satan, Beelzebub, wants us to stay in Egypt and worship him, live for him. But God comes with his rescue of salvation plan through the gospel to bring us out of Egypt so that we will live for his glory and for his purposes so that we will become the true human, the true you, who you were made to be, what he called you to be, to bear his image and his likeness. In Egypt, you could be a victim. But in the promised land, you can't be a victim. You're a dominator. You're made in the image of likeness of God to rule and to dominate and to have dominion. The little um, plants that God told you and I in the beginning that we should rule over. All drugs and alcohol come from plants. But how much of drugs and plants are ruling humans? Cocoa leaf, cocaine, barley, beer, wine, grapes. It all comes from fruits and grapes and plants and vines. They're not coming out of the sky. Nicotine is a plant. A poppy seed, heroin, it's a plant. And God says in the very beginning, humans are made in my image and I like this. You should have rule and dominion. You should do over all the things that crawls on the ground, all the plants. But people are being dominated. Human beings made in the image and likeness of God are being dominated by plants. Marijuana is a plant. Plant tell you when to get up, when to go to work. When to rob, when to steal, when to kill. That's Egypt. Egypt will have you hating yourself. It's designed that. It's the world. But Urban Hope, as a church plant, has been birthed to come and to plant. That we will lead people out of Egypt and to the promised land. And that's basically what Paul says. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life is in Christ Jesus. Zoe, the true you, the true human that God has made us to be. Well, what's our mission? That's just the overall vision. Next slide. Here he is. We exist as a missional community, meaning we're on mission. When Jesus spoke in Matthew 28, go therefore. We are on mission. This is not our home. We're pilgrims and sojourners and strangers. We're not here to settle down. You're passing through. That's why I posted the thing on Facebook yesterday and it showed John Lewis laying in the casket. That will be you and I one day as well. You will have a eulogy unless Jesus comes back. In the meantime, you're on mission for God. Don't get fooled. Don't get lured in. Don't start chasing the fantasies and the dreams and the pipe dreams. You and I, this is not our home. Jesus told us over and over again, life is a vapor. It's like a blinking of the eye. I can remember when I was 18, I'm 53. I got fewer days ahead of me than I have behind me. Don't let the COVID-19 stop you from living. You're not getting any days back. You're moving. Time doesn't stop. 
And God has already, according to the book of Psalms, he has numbered our days. We're on mission, missional community. Devoted to what Jesus says, to doing what? Growing and making disciples of Jesus after the image and the likeness of God. Jesus made us. That's why we're here in Fairfield. That's why this sermon is so important. God's message to the whole world. Growing disciples. But what do we do in discipleship? Go therefore in all the world, make a disciple, teaching them to do what? To obey all that I've commanded to become a real human. People are not humans. They look like a human, walk like a human, but they're dead in their sins. That's why we see so much murder, so much crime, so much abortion, so much hatred, so much vitriol. Because people are not walking according to the true nature for which they've been created. That's called discipleship. That's why we exist. To make disciples. Say, man, you want to be a true human? Got a guy at work. Man, my wife, she want to do this and that. And you just know he's just, he just a bad husband. He just don't know what he's doing. Man, come hang out with me at lunchtime. Let me, let me sit with you for a minute. Man, you loving your wife as Jesus loved his wife. What's that mean? So you got to break that down. He don't know what that means. He don't know what it means to love his wife as Christ loved him. He don't understand. You got to break it down for him. He's selfish as all can get up. <laughs> you know it and I know it. That's called discipleship. Hey, man, I'll pay for your lunch. What do you want? Let's go to McDonald's every week. It's cheap. Got $2 menu. $2 burger. <laughs> Don't take with Papa Do's. Like, let's go to Papa Do's every Tuesday. No, you can't do that. You'd be broke. But our mission, disciples of Jesus who are confident of their true identity. See, that's what I was talking about last week. True identity. Who are you? Who made you? Your true identity, not what the world says. I know I'm black, but God made me. He gave me my color. He gave me my nose. He gave me my hair, and he took my hair. He made it gray. He made it black. I tried to keep it black, and God said, no, nah, I'm going to mess it up. So hey, it's up, and I had to go get Sister Allison because I was looking at Casper the ghost one day, sitting up in the, in, in, in the staff meeting. He said, what's wrong with Pastor Hardy? He, I was looking white. I was looking like a white person for real. I was sitting here. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, man. But I said, I right, God, I'm not dying no more. Your true identity, not what the world says. I know I'm black. Who made me this color? Who chose my mom and dad? Did I choose? God, send me to Verda and Willie James Hardy down in Port Sardis. Send me to Greystone or send me to wherever. Send me to slap out. Who would choose slap out? <laughs> Think about that. Slap out. Who would kid with like, God, send me to slap out? Like who would choose Sardis? So true identity in Christ. You're not a victim. But in Egypt, you're constantly being berated as a victim. You can't do nothing because of your skin color. You can't sing. You can't do. You can't think. You can't be a good person. You can't lead. You can't be a quarterback because you're black. Man, enough is enough. I've been made by God. What are you talking about? You got to know that true in the identity in Christ. And therefore, we become agents of hope. Discipleship makers in Fairfield. And beyond, church planting. 
got to put Urban Hopes in all the inner cities. Inslee, East Lake, we definitely need one in Bessemer. To help people to know you're not junk because you live in the, in the, in the projects. And you've been there for generations. Your grandmother been there and, your, and everyone's been there. You're not junk. God made you. So that's the message we got to bring to our people. We're going to bring it to all the hood dudes and hood girls and everybody else. And the kids at the school, you're not junk. You've been made by God. He created you. We're coming out of Egypt. I know Pharaoh has told you this. You've been here for a long time, for 400 years. But God has a promised land. He has come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Satan has come that he, you may still kill and destroy and kill you in Egypt. Lock you in the ghettos and the projects and lock your mind away where you can't think or believe or hear anything from God. But no, Urban Hope has been on mission to grow and to make disciples. And which leads me, what have we been working on? Guys, we need help. Hands on deck. Everyone discipling somebody. Everybody. Now that you understand the vision, some of y'all, when you first got here, you're not understanding. You said, man, what is PA talking about this Egypt? But now you're starting to get it. Everybody's in Egypt at one time or another. Some of us are two days out. Some of us have been three years out. Some of us back and forth in Egypt. We walk out for six months and we, we start missing, the, missing the, 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 the leaks and the free stuff in Egypt. Because Egypt will give you a lot of free stuff. That's one of the trappings. You don't got to work. Just steal. Rob, I take care of you, Doc. I take care of you. See, God, you got to work with your own hand. Go do something. Go name the animals. Think. Educate. Bring your gifts to bear. But in Egypt, no, Ferris, I don't want you doing that. All you got to do is make brick and straw for me, and I'll take care of you. You can stay in these projects and pay $22 a month for Jesus for 50, 70 years. And then I come around about one time you get 65, I have a, I have a shootout and kill one of y'all. So that's Egypt. But Urban Hope will come to help the people get out of Egypt. And this is what, so we got the spiritual, now we need the deeds. We know where we're at. We're going to go into Fairfield, Inslee, um, Eastlake, and people have been locked away for long times, it appears, and, and so you got to go in there with a word and deed. That's why you hear us, word and deeds. You got to do them together. So Urban Hope Development is our nonprofit arm. And so here's what it is. If we are a Christ-centered and believe strongly in building strategic partnerships, Sandra and I have been here in eight years, and I don't know why God didn't give it to me on the first year. That would have really helped. But God said, no, I got to test you out and make sure because you don't get puffed up in pride. So he made sure he, he kept me humble on my knees. But in the last year or so, seemed like everybody and their grandmother is trying to get a hold of Pastor Hardy. So the same. Thanks be to God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So now we can build some partnerships, some strategic partnerships which promote long-term sustainable change towards economic community development. That's what Urban Hope Development is, a nonprofit. Next slide. What's the vision of Urban Hope Development? Some may be asking. Bringing hope to students and families through education. When God brought Adam, God said he could have named the animals himself, but God brought the animals to Adam to see what he would do, what he would call them, what he would name them, what he would say their names were. That's all education is, is learning and observing how this world works. 
That's all it is. Expanding your brain. So we want to do that. And economic development initiatives. We want to be behind the scenes using all of what God has allowed us to have in our influence to help bring business ideas and initiatives and to blow the fan of flame. That's what we're doing with our brother Carlos. Been pursuing Carlos for five years. Five years as Carlos, you're going to be in that restaurant. He fought, but he realized God is too strong and too fast. God said, I've been around a long time and I just kept praying, God, get him. Get him, God. Get him. Get him, God. And so when I met with Brother Carlos, man, brought tears in my eyes when he met with me and Greg and he shared the menu. This kid from Midfield. I said, man, this is what God does because we're not victims. God has dreams in all of our hearts and he's given us gifts and talents. What's it going to be like for us to come down on a Saturday morning and go over there and get a nice, I told Carlos, I got to come up with a sandwich to fit urban, an urban hope sandwich. And you know if it's going to be an urban hope sandwich, Trayvon, it's going to be a meaty sandwich. <laughs> all the meat's got to be on it. <laughs> now, and then for y'all that want to eat the veggies, they're going to make a vegetarian sandwich. Call that the uh, urban hope development sandwich. That's what my wife runs, something like that. But for the, for the urban hope community church, a man sandwich <laughs> with some meat on it. So what's the vision? All right. What's the um, mission to Urban Hope Development? I'm getting done here. Equip students and families with opportunities to learn, grow and be all they were created to be in their community. That's important. That's the promised land. We don't have to leave. See, we've been told run from the communities. No, we're coming back. We're setting up camp. We're taking over Lord Nolan. We're coming on the council and we're going to keep doing stuff. We ain't running nowhere. <laughs> we're sitting up and settling down to build the kingdom of God where we at. So I used to run. And then I got a hold of me. God said, where are you running from? Take my image. Take my likeness where you go. Preach it. Teach it. Do discipleship. That's what we're doing at the school. We're not running. These are nice houses down here. See, here's where we leave, and then we look back. It's like, what happened? We got double duped. No, we ain't getting double duped. We're going to build up. And that's what Urban Hope Development is there for. Next slide, Brother Carl. Some of you say, what do we do? This is important. Education. We got four arms. What do we do? Education. You hope success. Academy, y'all saw it. We've been doing it for seven years. Tutoring, GED prep, year-round middle school, high school enrichment, mentoring, and leadership development. Teaching their young people how to be leaders, how to lead and not be a follower all the time. To be entrepreneur. This is why these strategic partnerships, meeting with people. People say, but how can, people say Pastor, how can we help Urban Hope? How my interns? <laughs> what do you mean? That's a different. No, then you don't need to come down. Thank God for the Christmas stuff. We'll keep doing the Thanksgiving better. But I want to hire my interns too. Summertime, I want them to be working at your bank. I want them to have a nice little suit on with a little bow tie. Show him how to be a banker and not be a rapper. Show him how to run a construction company. Show him how people do it and make money. See, that's a different mindset. 
That's part of what all of that leadership development is. So education, and that's across the board. Next thing we're going to do, economic development, job training, preparedness, job placement. See, I said, Lord, why are you putting me in the PCA? See, I didn't know when God gave me the story because I was going to leave the PCA. I was trying to get over to the Baptist guy. God said, you don't want to leave? Stay here. See what I'm doing. So I'm in the PCA. Here's the reason why. Most of my friends in the PCA run their own businesses. Great opportunity, and they're all Christians. Whoa! Preach, Pastor Hardy. What do you think I'm where I go in all your churches for? If you're watching me online, I'm coming to you. <laughs> you're gonna hire the people. You wanna help us? You don't gotta see no check the Black Lives Matter. You can just help us get jobs. <laughs> see? That's why God in his great sovereignty and providence put me in the PCA. Because most of my friends run their own companies. So job placement, <laughs> financial literacy, savings accounts, loan programs. We don't believe in the handout, leaving the hand up, teaching you how to fish, teach you how to save, teach you how to invest. You're not a robot. You're not a victim. You've been made by God. If God said it in his word, you can do it. And this ain't going to happen overnight. That's part of the problem in the inner city work. People want one hit wonders. They don't want to do discipleship. No, discipleship is spending time with people and getting messy and helping them think through the very basic stuff. Dion and Chad did it last week, right, Chad? It's all it is. Helping people think through basic stuff. Basic things to think through. And then the next one, and I'm done, is um, housing. Got some ideas with that. EJ and I worked, met with a guy, got the guy that came here last week. Y'all met him and got 210 houses in Fairfield that are abandonment. And people want to put Section 8 housing. Sandra was meeting with a person and says, I know we have a great idea. Everybody want to put Section 8 housing in Fairfield. For us in Fairfield, is that a good idea? <laughs> no! What about putting families in those houses? That's what Urban Hope Development is going to do. This is what we've been doing. Takes time, doesn't come overnight. And then the next one, and be done, is crisis intake assessment, utilities, rent, emergency food, diaper, and whatever else the Lord comes along with that. People coming through the door and they need help. And basically, we assess them. We sit down with them. It's a thorough process. And then we roll up our sleeves. Go, oh, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> now, you're not at the Some folks are at the front of Egypt. They're about ready to run out of Egypt so fast. Some folks are way back up in Egypt. They've been right at the nuke and the cranny of Egypt. So you just know you got to roll up your sleeves. But well, it's going to be a mighty long fight right here. It's called discipleship. And Sandra and I have been doing it for 25 years. Not two, not three, not four. 25 plus years. It doesn't come overnight. You get late phone calls. It's hard work teaching people who don't know the left hand from the right hand. Who've never been done with the banks in the right way. That's why you got the check cash in places all around. But we got to roll up our sleeves. We got to do both word and deed. And we were doing it with a cross-cultural, cross-ethnic persuasion because that's what God has called us to. It's called the manifold. 
And God has waited for this hour for this to be done this way so that nobody, no one can take credit for it. Not even me, not anyone. God said, I'm waiting for, the, for this time. This is why God has been setting this up. The world's going crazy. They have no love for each other. They're not even playing games with it no more. They hate each other. Well, this is where the church stands in the gap because we know something. <laughs> we got something in our heels. See, that grace that Brina was singing about, we know that amazing grace. Them folks in Portland, Seattle, they don't know anything about that grace. That's why they're burning up their own city, trying to find a utopia that they'll never get to. Good news for you, Seattle. Come to Jesus Christ. He'll give you true hope, and you won't have to burn down your city. He'll burn the gospel in your heart. That's what God is doing. And he waited. The world has no more answers. The world is done. They don't have no more answers for this race thing. We know the answer. Because the answer is in Jesus. He is the one that gives us the gift of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. And Jesus is making us all after his image. And as we're being made and created after his knowledge and his image, we're coming to understand, man, we're, there ain't really that much difference between us. It's nothing but a, we ain't nothing but a bouquet of flowers. Yellow, red, white. God made us all in his sight. God likes variety. He don't like just one kind of ice cream, chocolate. He likes vanilla, strawberry, Napoleon. He likes it all. God likes it like that. That's why when you look up at the stars, you don't just see one color. You see the myriad of stars. You look at the ocean, look at all the fish. You see the myriad of different kinds of fish and species swimming in the waters. That's our God. That's what he wants. If he just wanted to be one color, he could easily have done that. God don't like God says, it's my world. I made it. I created it. I get what I want. And God says, I want the manifold. And I'm going to get my manifold. And he's getting it. And I'm saying, God, use me. I'm running my race. I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here, but I'm going to run it to the end. So you want to know what Urban Hope is doing and all about? I just gave it to you. At the heart, bringing the gospel, discipling people into the true image of God. That's all sanctification is. The true you. The true human. I didn't always think this way. I was a victim for most of my life, and I thought like a victim. But I told you, three years, God said, go to Genesis 1:26, and you read it. And God had to reprogram me. I mean, you made in my image. Stop saying what you can't do, or where you can't be, or what I can't do to you. Who told you that? And when I realized that I had been listening to a lot of books and a lot of people, and I want listening to the great book of books, the holy book, the book of God written to us. And that's what we need to listen to. That's where we get our sanctification from, where we're being sanctified by the truth for his word is truth. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much. As Paul so eloquently says in Romans six, that we have been freed from sin. 
free to be a true free man and woman in Christ. The promised land of freedom where we are free. And that's what you made when you made Adam. He was free. And we get that opportunity now through Jesus Christ. We're not robots. We're humans that are being conformed. That are being conformed to the image of Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. Father, some of us are in the very beginning of this of this transformation, this metamorphosis. Some of us have been in it for a while. We've gotten stuck. Lord, unstick, unstuck us today. Get us out of the mud and the miry clay and get us back on to moving towards the promised land to where we can live out the promises that you've called for us to live out as human beings, to be about the kingdom mission of making disciples, sharing our faith, getting our hands to the plow and not looking back, not chasing after the fantasies of this world and the filthy lucre of this world that promised us riches and, 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 and life, God, but in the end, it is nothing but death. All we have to do is follow the people who have all the money. Look at the Hollywood, look at the NBA players, look at the in football players, Lord. Lord, they're not happy. They're filing bankruptcy and filing and, and getting, Lord, it's, it's not in that alone. True joy is in you. You're the hope of this world. It's not a dollar bill with Benjamin Franklin's face on it. It's your face on us in the image of God. Written on our hearts. That's what we were made for. That's what we were designed for. And that's what we want. So Lord, come by your spirit. Make us. Show us. Lead us. Guide us. And all these things we pray. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chad, come and bless us. I stand to your feet. My brothers and sisters, we're going to be dismissed. And I still went 10 minutes over. Man, Lord, help me, Jesus. Hear now this benediction. May the love of God the Father. 